Can you please go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number 28? The book of Matthew. Today, I will speak to you on the Great Commission. This is the message we shall be preaching in all three services today because of what we are kicking off tomorrow. The Great Commission is not the Great Suggestion. It's the Great Commission. When Jesus Christ gave us this commission, he was not suggesting, he was commending. Tell your neighbor he wasn't suggesting. He was commending. Amen. Matthew 28, and we're going to read from verse number 18. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power. All power means all power. All power in heaven. All power in the earth. Can you see that? All power. Everyone say all power. All power in heaven and all power in the earth. Jesus said has been given unto me. So Jesus at this time possessed all power in heaven and in the earth. But very soon, as we read the next verse, you are going to see what Jesus Christ did with all power that was given to him. You're going to see that as we read the next verse. Everyone say all power. power. It's important. All power means all power. All power means... Jesus Christ, as he speaks at this time, is in absolute dominion, complete authority. Can someone say amen? Amen. Power to heal the sick, power to cast out devils, power to, I mean, power to open the eyes of the blind. All power has been given unto me, he said. Now look at verse number 19. Go ye therefore. Basically, Jesus Christ turned to the church and Jesus Christ deputized the church and gave the church the power to do the things that Jesus did when he was here upon the earth. Can you see that? All power is given unto me. And then he turns to the church and says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. I want you to notice all nations. Basically, all the peoples of the earth are in God's divine plan. God wants to shake all nations. No nation is exempt. God does not just love the Jewish people. God loves the world. Can someone shout amen? Amen. All nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. Amen. So notice, Jesus Christ is not sending us on an assignment without giving us what it takes to get the job done. I said this yesterday, I guess it was to the Bible school students, when I had my one-hour meeting with the students, I said to them, God will never ask you to do something without giving you the necessary tools to get it done. 
God never sent you on an errand. No, I was telling those that came to pray with me yesterday. God never sent, I, I do a lot of things. So, God does not send you on an errand without giving you what you need to do what he has asked you to do. It is like a parent. If you send your child to go to the market and buy some supply, you will give your child the money to buy the supply. Is that correct? You don't want to send your child to the store to get supply without giving your child the money needed to get the supply. So when God sent us, God gave us what we need to do the job. Can someone shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. If you notice here, he says, all power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. And he turns to the church and he gave us, the church, the power to do the work that needs to be done upon the earth. And the work that needs to be done here upon the earth is to preach the gospel and demonstrate the power and the glory of the kingdom of God. Can someone shout hallelujah? But also, Jesus said, I am with you. I am with you. The fact that he is with us means that we are not alone. See that? I am with you, yes. I'm sending you to be my representatives. But I want you to know that I will not leave you alone. When you go out, I will be there with you. That's a good place to say amen. Amen. So this is not like sending your child to the store. And having your child go to the store hall all by himself while you are at home sitting on your couch. And your child comes back with the supply. This is a case of Jesus sending us out, but assuring us that when we go, he's coming with us. Amen. You may not see him with your physical naked eyes, but that does not negate the fact that Jesus Christ is always going to be there with you. When you lay your hands to pray for the sick, guess what? Jesus is right there. When you lay your hands to open the eyes of the blind, guess who's going to open the eyes of the blind? Jesus Christ will be there to open the eyes of the blind. When you lay your hands to pray for those that are demon-possessed, guess who's going to drive the devil out of them? Jesus Christ will be there because you have been deputized by him to do the purpose why he came from heaven to the earth. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah. I am with you. Tell your neighbor he is with you. And you know what? Because Jesus Christ is with us and will always be with us till the end of this age, that is the reason why we must never entertain fear. Because one of the things I had to deal with with my African pastors, pastors is this. By God's grace, I'm the president of the African Pastors Forum here. One of the things I had to deal with is the spirit of fear. We cannot entertain the spirit of fear. God has not given unto us the spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. You want to do ministry? Yes. Do ministry, but do it boldly. Come on now, say amen. amen. You've got to do it boldly. You cannot entertain fear. What will happen to me? Will they attack me? Now, if that's what is on your mind, I'm sorry. You, you may not make it. But you've got to begin to change that mentality and adopt the mentality of boldness. The Bible says the, the wicked run it when no man pursues. But the righteous is as bold as a lion. Come on now, we need to understand that Jesus Christ is with us. 
So this week, as we go out on the street, and not just this week, because I don't want you to think, well, it is just for this week. Subsequent weeks, subsequent months, subsequent years, this church has come to stay. And this church is going to be about winning souls. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. Listen, this ministry is about people. I heard a man of God say, well, the ministry would have been great if not for the people. What are you smoking? The ministry is about people. What is the ministry? A big office? What is the ministry? You can have a major mega cathedral. If nobody's in that church, you've got no ministry. What is a ministry? Ministry is people. Ministry is what? People. That is why I tell the staff, everything we do here in the ministry is about people. I don't want any of you to exalt a task above the, the people. Because the people are the reason why we do what we do. All the recordings and all the editings we do, all the videos we upload, everything we do, the setting up the sanctuary, everything we do is for people. Come on now, say amen. amen. This, is, this is not a, a, a secular company. This is the house of God. And the house of God is about people. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah. And people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's about people. It's about people. Tell your neighbor it's about people. it's about people. Praise God. So what do you mean by, you know, ministry would have been a great thing if not for the people? The people are the reason why you are in ministry. You have no business being in the ministry if you don't have a heart for people. You have no business being in the ministry if you don't care and love people. Come on now, say amen. You have no business being in the ministry if you cannot go out of your way to help the people that God has placed in your life and church. You have no business being in the ministry if you think your sleep is much better than the people. Because sometimes we get calls at 2 a.m. And what do you do? You do what needs to be done. And that's not to say you shouldn't go on vacation or rest. I'm just saying. Because some people don't have the, prior, their, the priority right. I want to rest. Give me a, some, some people just rest all day long. It's people. Can tell somebody it's about people. You know, but it's not just about the people in the church. It's also about the people that are not in the church yet. Notice it says, go into all nations and make disciples. Make what? Disciples. Make disciples. A disciple is a student. It's time, tell your neighbor, it's time, it time. for each of us to raise disciples. You believe that? Are you sure? Yes. If you believe it, then shout amen. amen. Tell your neighbor, you, you must, must raise, raise disciples. disciples. Did they say amen or? Amen. I don't think so. Uh, did they say amen or why are you telling me? That's none of my business. That is, that is Pastor, Godwell's, that's Pastor Godwell's business. Pastor Godwell needs to be the one to raise disciples. No, each of us, each of us, each of us, each, each of us, each of us, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, blood washed. Each of us must take the responsibility, 
must understand the great commission is not the great suggestion. Each of us must take this personally and it is time for us to begin to invest into the lives of people. Amen. Can someone shout amen? amen? Go with me to the book of Mark chapter 16. And we're going to see another instruction given to us, the church, on the Great Commission. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. We're going to read from verse number 15. If you find it, say amen. amen. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world. You see that again? See that again? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. See? That is the mandate. That is the mandate. Go ye means go ye. It means to go. G-O. Go, not S-I-T, go, time to go, go where, into all the world, God wants us to cover every nook and cranny, wherever people are, go and tell them, like the song I was singing earlier on, wherever people are, go and tell them. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah? My prayer this afternoon, if it's yeah, afternoon already, is that God by his fire will burn this desire in us Amen. for the lost. Amen. And for anyone who has it already, that it will be ignited even stronger. Amen. And anyone who does not have it, it will be birthed afresh. Amen. It's time to go. No, really, it's time to go. It's time to go. I don't have to stand here this morning and give you the Greek meaning of go. Because if you read it in the Greek Bible, it's still go. <laughs> Somebody got that one. If you, if you read this in the Greek, in the Greek concordance, in the Greek Bible, if you look at it in the Greek concordance, go here means what? It means go. Amen. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel to every creature. I told you when we were in Armenia, I, told, I think I've told the story here too. But anyway, the story of this African believer, the Lord sent him, the Lord spoke to him. He was just spending time all by himself and he heard the voice of the Lord. And the Lord told him to go into the bush. Have you heard that story? Yeah. The guy goes into the bush. But he asked himself, okay, why am I going? Okay, anyway, the Lord told me. So he walks, he leaves his home and goes into the bush. And he gets into the bush. And then the Holy Ghost said to him, the guy knew the voice of God. The Holy Ghost said to him, now raise your voice and begin to preach. You know, you begin to think to yourself, preach. Who is in the bush? Animals. Preach. Well, he had to obey God. So he began to preach right in the middle of the bush. He was preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. Well, when you get to the end of your message, what do you do? 
You need to give an altar call. You need to do what? Altar call. You must bring people to a decision point. Right? So he gave the altar call. If you're here this, this whatever morning, afternoon, night, and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, he's calling you, come out right now and stand before me. And to his greatest amazement, a man walks out of the bush and walks right in front of him. He was surprised. He led the man to Christ. The man had gone to the bush to commit suicide. He was about to hang himself. But God knew where he was. And God sent somebody to reach one person. God, listen, God knows where you are. And just like God in his mercy and compassion and love reached to you and saved you. You know where you were. You were on your way to a lost eternity. You were bound by sin and the flesh and the devil. But Jesus Christ came. How did he come? He sent somebody to you. Why is it that many have been saved but they want to keep it to themselves? Why? Why can they not give that which has been given to them to other people? One of the things that naturally, naturally happened to me when I gave my life to Christ was the desire to reach people. I was out on the streets reaching people for Christ. I did not have to wait for the pastor to organize a special outreach event. Because when you are born again, God will plant his spirit in your heart. God will plant his desire in your heart. And if souls are God's heartbeat, then souls must be my heartbeat. Praise God. So go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Look at that. Look at that again. Verse 15. Look at that. Look at that. Don't sleep on me now. I'm preaching good. You don't expect me to be shouting and speeding for you to wake up. Praise God. Amen. You slept at home. Don't sleep in church. Verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Which means some will believe and others will not. Notice he that believes. So before you start dealing with all these thoughts of fear, what will happen? Listen to what Jesus said. He that believeth, which means some will believe. So I want you to arm yourself with this mentality that when we are out on the streets or you are speaking to people that come around your office, when you speak to them, I need you to believe that some will believe the gospel. Amen. And the truth of the matter is, you are not the one that's going to save them. It is the Holy Ghost that will convict them. And it is Jesus that will wash them with his precious blood. Amen. Don't be afraid. Open your mouth and speak. And when you do, guess what? God words. God will breathe on that word. The Holy Ghost will take that word and write it on the canvas of their hearts. And he will convict them. And he will draw them to Jesus. And when he draws them to Jesus, Jesus will wash them clean with his blood. And Jesus will take them by the hand and introduce them to Father God. Amen. You see the progression? 
But if you don't open your mouth and you don't tell them, how can they hear without a preacher? How can they hear if there is nobody that is preaching the gospel? The church is praying, Lord, come, Lord, come. Maranatha, Lord, come, Lord, come. Give me a Maranatha break. How can the Lord come when we are not reaching the people? When this gospel is preached, then the Lord will return. Lord, come. How, come to where? If the Lord comes right now, you know how many people that are going to the lake of fire? Stop asking God to come back. Stop praying that prayer, Jesus returned. Return for who? For you. If you want to go to heaven, go. No, really. If you want to go to heaven, just go. Check out. Your body is a hotel. Check out. Stop asking him to come back because he's... Listen, why are we asking him to come back when we haven't done the job? Come on, I'm preaching. You are quiet in the back and I don't like your silence this morning. Why are we asking him to return when the job isn't done? Why are we asking him to return when we are more concerned about our own lives and business? And our own family and our own breakthrough. You ask people to pray. They give you 10 things on their list of prayer points. You don't see anything about souls. All you see is my business, my marriage, my breakthrough, my health, my this. Nothing about people. And Jesus came for this one purpose. He that sinned is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this reason, the Son of Man was manifested. One reason he came. To seek and to save the lost. To destroy the works of darkness. But we have been set free. The works of darkness have been destroyed in our lives. And we become self-centered. Let me do my own thing. Me, myself, my dog, and my cat. You're saying, Lord, come. Come for what? Come for who? Come for you. If you're tired, go. If you're, listen, I'm telling you. We have to hit the nail on the head. Not playing religious games anymore. Lord, come. People are praying, Lord, come. The rapture. Yes, the rapture is going to take. I preach it. I believe it's the next big event on God's prophetic timeline. But I pray that we wake up and we go out there and bring in the harvest. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. Sometimes you feel like John the Baptist, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Stop praying, Lord, come. Enough. Start praying, Lord, put your fire in me. Amen. And give me a passion for the lost. Amen. That every day, I bring somebody into the kingdom of God. Amen. And if each of us will bring at least one person into the kingdom of God every day. Guess what? Seven days I brought seven people. Seven days you brought seven people. Times hundred people. How many is that? In a week? In a month? Think about the accumulative uh, 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 effect of that. Think about even the ripple effect of that. Because the seven people I bring will also bring seven. They'll bring 14. They'll bring 21. Come on now, preaching good, say amen. amen. They'll bring 28. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. When this gospel is preached, when this gospel is preached, then the end shall come. Let's preach this gospel. And we don't have to pray that he comes. He will come. Come on now, say amen. amen. 
He that believeth. So some will believe. They will believe in the gospel. Because the gospel means good news. And we are carriers of good news. We are not firefighters. We're carriers of good news. You are not an ambulance. You carry good news. Tell your neighbor, I'm a carrier of the good news. The gospel is the good news. That's what you and I carry. Come on now, say amen. That's what we carry. It's time to tell your friends. It's time to tell your family members. Oh my goodness, it will be sad when you are on your way to heaven and your, your parents are on their way to hell. It will be sad when you are on your way to heaven and your, your siblings are on their way to hell. Why? Because you don't have the courage to tell them about Jesus. Or oh, if I told them they will persecute me. Let them persecute you. You will be glad they make it to heaven on that day. Come on now. They will persecute me. They'll hate me. They'll ostracize me. They'll come to terms with what you tell them today. Come on, I'm preaching good. Say amen. amen. They'll come to terms. I mean, think about those of us that are from Africa. I mean, think about the price that men like John G. Lake paid. The price like, that men like uh, David Livingstone, who crisscrossed Africa, brought us the gospel. Today, oh, we're Africa. Reinhard Bunke has gone home to be with, with Jesus, packed out one, a stadium with one million people. Today, Africans are excited. God is moving in Africa. Yes, you go to Africa, Nigeria to be particular, there are churches in almost every street. But you feel, many of you come from Africa, you come to the West, and you just come for money. You are not here for money. You come, you've come here for a much bigger purpose. There is a much bigger assignment upon your life. And I'm here as your pastor, and I'm Nigerian, I'm African, I'm here to tell you, God has a divine mission upon your life. Amen. And I'm sorry if you're not from Africa, Filipinos, listen to me. You're not just, you didn't leave Manila to come down here just to walk a house job. You came down here because there is a much bigger purpose upon your life. Amen. Come on, I'm preaching good, say amen. amen. You are American, you are European, wherever you come from, God has brought you here for a reason. You are here for a purpose. You're not here to play church. You're here to win souls and to bring in the harvest in these last days. And if you are Turkish, you better wake up. Amen. If you're Turkish, you better wake up. I'm telling you right now. I'm Turkish too. Everybody, all the Turkish, wake up. I'm telling you. It's time to wake up and it's time to understand that the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Jesus said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he might send laborers into his field. So I pray today that God will raise you up and send you out into the field so that you might bring in the harvest of souls. Amen. Oh, that amen needs prayer. That amen is very weak. Amen. Shout amen if you believe in that. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, really, we're going to be about our father's business or we're going to be about our business. Amen. We're not here to build castles. We're here to build a kingdom. And what I've seen in, most, in many places, listen, a lot of Christians are building their own castle. Your castle will mean nothing in eternity. When it's all said and done, it's rubbish. What matters to God is what you've done for the kingdom of God. That's why when you stand before him, you're going to present souls to him. You're not going to present him U.S. dollars. Nowhere does he say go into the world and make money. He said go into the world and preach the gospel to every creation. Come on now, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. 
We are told to preach. That's the assignment. That is the mandate. That is the commission that Jesus Christ, the head of the church, has given to us. And I pray that we shall wake up to this. I pray that we shall realize this. I pray that we are not self-centered, but we are selfless, just like Jesus Christ was selfless. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. This is the purpose Jesus left the glories of heaven and came down to earth even when he knelt there in the garden of Gethsemane, the garden of crushing. The Bible tells us that he said, Father, let this cup pass over me. Nevertheless, not my will, but let your will be done. The Bible tells us that when he saw that which was in front of him, and I believe that which was in front of him was you and I. He went all the way to the cross and died that miserable death on the cross where they stripped him naked. Don't even Look at the nonsense that they put on TV on photographs of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross with a trickle of blood on his head. That is religious nonsense. If you, if you ever get a revelation of what happened to Jesus on the cross, even before he got to the cross, in the book of Isaiah, the Bible says when you saw him, he did not resemble a man. He was like a meat in the butcher shop. They butchered him. That's the, that is what he came to do for us. And I pray today that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes to see that. That is what he came to do for us. That is what he accomplished for us. That is what he did for the world. He died a miserable death. The cross was not a place of victory. The cross was a place of defeat. It is finished. He died on the cross. The father turned his back on him. He cried out, Eloi, Eloi, Lamaxabachthani. Why have you forsaken me, my father? For you and I, he did that. And that has saved us. And that has brought us into the kingdom. It is time for us to run with the same passion with, G with which Jesus ran through the earth. And bring in souls. Whatever it's going to take. What will it take? Persecution. Bring it on. What will it take? The, the, the death of believers, bring it on. The first 300 years of, of Christianity was wave and wave of persecution. The Roman Empire persecuted, especially Emperor Nero. The first 300 years, wave after wave, wave after wave, wave after wave. But the more they persecuted the church, the stronger the church got. The church never got weak and tired under pressure. The church got stronger under pressure. I think the reason why so many have got to the point where they are, where they have lost the zeal and the fire is because of comfort. God has not given any of us the gospel of comfort. This gospel is not comfortable. Yeah. If you are believing that, oh, I want to, you know, no, it's not comfortable. It's not a gospel of comfort. It's a gospel that will challenge you to go out of your way, to bend over backwards, to do what needs to be done to bring in the lost and to bring in those that are on their way to a lost eternity. If only you knew the statistics of how many people that die every minute as they head on to a lost eternity. Broad is the way that leads to death. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And many are those that find the Broadway. And many are walking the Broadway. And if you and I do not talk to them, they will not recognize the 
place that has been placed right in the middle of the Broadway. Because when we open our mouths and begin to preach the gospel, that is when the Holy Ghost will use that which we say. Because what we say is the good news. And He will take the good news and He will burn it in the hearts of the people. And when they hear it, the Holy Ghost will convict their hearts and they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. It is time. It is time. That is why we're doing this three days of uh, school of evangelism. Because we want to prepare people. You're going to cast out devils. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to raise the dead. Freely you have received and freely you will give. If you believe it, shout your Lord and say amen. Verse number 16. He that believeth and shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned or condemned. Which means some people will not believe. Oh, Pastor God, well, I have preached the gospel before, but many people rejected it. I want to let you know this. When they reject it, they have not stopped the seed from being sown. Because when you open your mouth and speak the gospel into them, the seed of the word is being sown into them. And how many of you here this with an uplifted hand will say to me, I did not believe the first time they told me. Oh, many of us did not give our lives to Christ the first day we heard the gospel. It took about two years, three years before we finally accepted. But the seed was sown the first day we heard it. And the seed was growing on the inside of us. We just didn't know it. Because faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the gospel. Hearing by the word of God. When we hear the word of God, the faith that comes into us is in us because of the seed of the word of God that is sown into us when we hear the gospel. I truly believe that many, even at the point of death, they will be reminded of the seed that was sown in them 40 years ago. And that seed will lead them to Christ right before they breathe out their last. That is why we must not just think, well, they are not coming into the church. Forget about that. They may not come into the church, but they may come into the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm telling you right now, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not. So some will not believe when you tell them, but the word will be sown into them as a seed. And that is what we need to go about doing. Go about like a sower and just spread seed all over the place. Spread seeds all over the place. Sow it in the life of your parents. Sow it in the lives of your siblings. Sow it in the lives of your children. Just keep sowing it. And sow it in the lives of your friends and colleagues at the place of work. The seed will bear fruit. Amen. And oh my God, if it doesn't bear fruit, then so what? What have you lost? Nothing. At least you've taken the blood of people away from, off of your hands. That's why Paul, Paul wrote to them, he said, the blood, I have the blood of no man on my hands. Wow, this is good. And these signs, verse 17. Are you still with me? Yes. Good, I, I like that. That sounds strong. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Are you a believer? Yes. Yeah. These signs will follow believers, not unbelievers. So those that are Qualified to preach the gospel are born again Christians. You cannot preach the gospel when you are not born again. You shouldn't. You have no business preaching the gospel when you are not born again. You need to be born again first before you preach. But if you are born again and you are not preaching the gospel. Are you listening to me? Yes. How dare you be born again and not preach the gospel? Oh, Pastor God, you're putting pressure on me this morning. Yes, you need it. It's a taboo. It's an abomination that you're born again and you're not preaching the gospel. 
How dare you? How dare you hide your light? You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Let your light so shine before men. Before men? Yeah, before men. Before men, that they might see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. You've got to let your light shine. There's this new, this new, how do you refer to it? This new, call it a slogan, whatever. Oh, uh, we can preach the gospel without words. Rubbish. What do you mean preach the gospel without words? People use this nonsense. Preach the gospel without using words. Doesn't say preach the gospel without using words. Paul says in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to him that believe it. To him that believe it. You cannot have people believe if you don't preach it. You have to open your mouth and preach it. Preach the gospel not using words. They're trying to say, my going to show people that I'm a Christian by the way I behave, by my conduct, by the way I talk and the way I act and react. People will know that I'm a child of God. I'm for that. You've got to let that happen too. But don't tell me preach the gospel, don't use words. We've got to use words. Amen. Amen. We've got to use words. We've got to open our mouths and use words. Amen. And don't be intimidated by your friends. Greater one is in you. I said the greater one is in you. Amen. Amen. One of the things I learned early, when you move into a new territory, the first thing you need to do is to tell everyone there that you are a child of God. And how do you do that? You preach the gospel. Because if you don't preach to them, they will preach to you eventually. I'm telling you, and, and, and people, are, friends are preaching to you every day. Society is preaching to you every day. And this is the reason why a lot of Christians compromise because they have not taken a stand for Jesus 100%. And when nobody knows you as a Christian in that neighborhood, you can easily compromise. But if everyone knows that you are a child of God, not everyone will like you. It doesn't matter. Who cares whether they like you or not? What matters is you're doing the will of God. Can, can someone shout amen? amen? Praise the Lord. And let's get rid of all this fear concerning family members. I wasn't born in a Christian family. My eldest brother who lives in Chicago, he had to pay a big price for all of us to be saved. He became a child of God after several years, I believe, of coming under the oppression of the devil because we were raised in an idol-worshipping family. I've told the story many times, and I'm not ashamed to tell it. We're no more an idol-worshipping family. My mother used to bow before a, a piece of carved image. She tied a piece of white cloth around her waist, and she put a white chalk on her eyes, and she would give offerings to the God. And they called the thing our God. And my mom would cook and welcome, invite people to the house to worship this thing with her. And we ate from it. We worshipped so my eldest brother came under so much demonic persecution, demo, I mean demonic oppression, because when you open the door to Satan, Satan will mess you up. The devil does not come to drink tea and coffee with you. He does not come with pleasantries. He comes to you to ruin your life. 
The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come. I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And oh, abundant life came. My eldest brother was invited to church. He went there, gave his life to Jesus. Came back home. Oh my goodness, persecution after persecution. Attacked, persecuted. But he would not give up. He would not back down. He would not back out. Kept going, kept going, kept going. Life was tough, kept going. Persecution kept going. And today, there is not one person in my family that is not born again. I'm, I'm not just talking about, I'm not just, listen, I'm not just talking about, um, even my dad got saved before he went home to be with Jesus. My mom got filled with the Holy Ghost. The same woman who was sitting before a piece of image and speaking to it, and the image was speaking back to her. This woman got saved, radically saved, not just born. She was going to church. She was not just saved. She, was, she preached the gospel to her best friend. Her best friend just went home to be with Jesus a few months ago. But she was the one that preached to her. She just, she, she was not literate. My mom was illiterate. My mom just is, not was. My mom is illiterate. She just went to a friend and said, look, you know me. You know the life I lived. You know the way I did it. But now I'm changed. Come with me. That was her preaching. And that woman came with her. The woman got born again. Can someone shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. hallelujah. That's how to do it. I cannot speak English. Who cares how bad your English is or how good your English is. It's not your English that brings the people in. It is the gospel that's the power of God unto salvation. Open your mouth and preach it and see what the Holy Ghost will do. Mother got saved. Father got saved. Everyone got saved. Now the next or what you might call the second generation, all the grandkids, all born again, serving God. Not one grandchild is in, I mean, all saved, all born again. Why? Because one man at a young age, he was probably about 20 at the time when he gave his life to Jesus and would not back off. And he's the reason, to the glory of God, he's the reason why we are all Christians today. The power of the enemy broken over our family forever. Maybe you are the reason why everyone in your family will come to Christ. But if you hide your testimony, if you shut out the light, how will they hear it and how will they see it? They will persecute me. They better persecute you. They will persecute. Yeah, they will persecute. Persecution comes with the territory. Praise God. Anybody getting anything from this? Look at John chapter 20. John chapter 20. The Gospel of John, I just read Matthew, Mark. Let's look at John chapter 20. Look at verse number 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. Do you see that? Who is he talking to? To us. Jesus gives us the exact same commission the Father gave him. So we can say now the salvation of people rests on our hands. I'm telling you right now. Oh, Jesus come back and save the world. No, he's not going to come back and save the world. 
Jesus has done all that needed to be done to save the world. And he has given us the commission to do what and to tell the world so that when we tell the world, the world will know that Jesus truly came. There are many that do not know Jesus came. There are many that have religious understanding of what Jesus came to do. Are you listening to me? We don't have the time. If we, if we even talk, talk about some of the religions of the world, you will be amazed at what they believe about Jesus Christ. There is one that believes that Jesus Christ was the brother of Lucifer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's just, it's crazy what they believe. But we know the truth, and we are going to tell them the truth. So say it with me. The salvation of the people rests on our hands. Do you believe that? So Jesus has done all that should be done to save the world. We just need to go out there and tell them. So notice he said, as the Father sent me, so also I what? Send you. So what are the things the Father sent him to do? Number one, the Father sent him to preach the good news to the lost. Luke chapter 19 verse 10, the Bible says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. So if the Father sent him to seek and to save the lost, what has Jesus sent us to do? Seek and save the lost. Number two, the Father sent him to heal the sick. Matthew 8, 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So if Jesus Christ came to heal the sick, what has he told us to do? Healed. Hey, you're not talking to are you talking to me this morning? Yes. Heal the sick. Number three, the Father sent him to deliver the oppressed. First John 3, 8, he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning for this purpose. The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So if he came to destroy the works of the devil, what is the commission that he has given to you and I? Destroy the works of the devil. Now, what is our ministry? Look at 2 Corinthians 5, our ministry. I'm going to finish with this. What is our ministry? 2 Corinthians 5 from verse number 17. Tell your neighbor, you have a ministry. Amen. You have a ministry. Your ministry may not be Ephesians chapter 4, where it talks about a fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But everyone here this afternoon and those watching on the internet do have a ministry. Do you believe it? Second yes. Corinthians 5, verse, num verse number 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become... Are you born again? Yes. Are you a new creature? Yes. Praise God for that. Amen. Verse number 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Can you see that? How did he reconcile us? Through Jesus Christ. Because the assignment that God the Father put on Jesus was to do what? Reconcile us to him. Correct? So he has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's our ministry. Every one of us have this ministry. 
Now I want to have two guys. Jen, can you come? Charles, can you come? Pastor Uzama, please stand over there. So let's, let's just illustrate this. So here is this man here. He's going to win this man for Jesus and he's going to bring this man to the Father. Are you listening to me? So Jesus Christ came to reconcile us to who? The Father, but that was not enough. He also gave us, when I say enough, it did not end there. He also gave us the ministry that he had, which was the ministry of reconciliation. And you and I now have that ministry. So here is Father God. Just imagine, Pastor Ozoma here. It's going to be Father God. And here is the guy who is out on the streets and living for the devil, doing all kinds of crazy things. This is a good man. This is a good man, but the man is crazy. The man is doing all kinds of stuff. His wife is here, by the way. The wife, Sam, stand up. His wife, the newest couple in town. Get up, get up. Yeah, that's the wife. He was, he was in... He was in Chad. When did you get married? A month ago? Yeah. A month ago. He went back to his home country, Chad. Um, married his beautiful wife, Blandin. God bless you. What's worse? Let's clap for Blandin. God bless you. So these are newest couple in town. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Amen. Anyway, but your husband is going to act like a crazy crazy guy who is living for the devil and doing all kinds of crazy stuff he doesn't want to even care god has been trying to get him to come to church but i don't want to go to church and so the guy is acting crazy he's getting all kinds of things done hooked on this and hooked on that and all acting like i mean when you saw him you saw the devil okay. but here is a christian man full of the holy ghost a man with a passion for souls. A man who understands that nothing is impossible with God. A man who understands the mandate that has been given to him by Jesus Christ, the head of the church. And here is Father God. He's sitting there on his throne in heaven and he is longing. The Bible says that was thrown that was joy before the throne of God when one sinner repents. And so he is longing for this one that he loves so dearly. This one for, for whom he sent his one and only begotten son. And in actual fact, as he's sitting on his throne, his son is sitting at his right hand. And he's having a conversation with his son. And saying, you see that guy? That guy's crazy. That guy's acting all kinds of, I mean, huh? I want him, right? I want this guy. So, you know what? Holy Ghost, now speak to my son. My son that's on the earth. He knows the will. He knows the plan. He knows the, uh, the, the agenda. Now go. Now, so he goes. And then he approaches this guy. And he talks to him. And brings him to salvation. This guy falls on his knees. And he is weeping. He is crying. The conviction of the Holy Ghost is upon him. And now he is born again. Delivered, set free by the power of God. Amen. Now when this Christian came, what he did not see is the invisible person of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is always with us. 
when we go out to tell them, He does not send us alone. He comes with us. All He needs is for us to be tools in His hands. So when we open our mouths and speak, He takes that word that we speak because the word is not our word. It is the word of the living God. And He begins to write it on the canvas of the heart of this man. And as He writes it, He brings faith into the heart. He brings conviction into this heart. And that is the reason why this man breaks down and begins to weep. And he says, what must I do to be saved? And he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, thou and thy family. If only you can believe, all things are possible. So now he believes in Jesus and he weeps and Jesus forgives all his sins and he is free. All the power of the devil is broken. The curse is removed. And now God sets him on the path of righteousness and he's going to live for God all the days of his life. Now what happens is this man who has been given the ministry of reconciliation, you take him by the hand and you introduce him to the Father. You see, now, now, yeah, see the Father welcomes him. Ah, come on now, somebody put your hands together for Jesus. Ah, now, now watch this. Now watch this. You guys give me a message. Now this is born again. It's now in the family. Now what does the Father do? What does the Father do? The Father gives him a hug. The Father hugs the believer. Why? Because you've done a good job. Well done. Well done. I know many of us are waiting when we go over to eternity before we hear well done. But no, Jesus tells us well done here. He tells us well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. Enter now into the joy. We don't have to die and go to heaven before we are joyful. We don't need to die and go to heaven before we enjoy the fullness of the blessing of God here upon the earth. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in in the earth as it is in heaven. Now this man has been loaded with blessing. Why? Because seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and hallelujah. All that you need shall be added to you. Every time he wins a soul, the father blesses him. Every time he wins a soul, the father adds. Every time he wins a soul, now he does not need to pray about his personal needs. Because his passion is God's passion. And as he goes after God's business, God goes after his own business. That's how it works. That's how it works. That's how it works. So you don't need to struggle through life because when you build God's house, God builds your house. When you are after God's business, God is after your business. That is the reason why struggle stops. That is the reason why the bondage of the devil stops. That is the reason why all the attacks of the enemy will cease. Why? Because when God is with you, no one can be against you. When you do that which brings God gladness, God will do that which brings you gladness. Amen. That's why the happiest people are so winners. In the church. I'm telling you, the happiest, most joyful people. You see people who don't win souls? They look like they're sucking on vinegar. They look like they're drinking, uh, I'm telling you, lemon juice. Not the, not the refined one. The real strong, the real strong lemon. Lemon. They're sucking. You know when you put lemon in the child, in, in the mouth of your newborn baby? And the way, that's the way some people are. Remember Jesus on the cross? They wanted to give him vinegar. And he spat it out. Because Jesus does not like vinegar. Some people look like they're drinking vinegar because soul winners are always happy. The Bible says, listen, he that winneth souls is wise. Amen. 
oh my God, when you are out winning souls, there is joy, excitement in you. Why? Because you are not like the Dead Sea in Israel anymore. You are now a living water flowing, 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 flowing. And as this water flows, you are refreshed. Amen. Amen. So, Father, blesses the believer who wins souls and receives the one who is now saved. Now, the one who is now saved, thank you. Now, the one who is now saved is trained to also go and win more souls. So he also needs to duplicate himself. Yeah. It's not just going to come here and sit down and no. Now there is a fire, there is a passion in him. Now you go bring another soul to the, to the master. Bring one. Thank you. Ah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, come. Why are you sitting? You don't want to come to Jesus? You don't want to come to the father? Now, father, they brought you somebody else. Now, yeah, hallelujah. Father, bless him now. Yeah, more grace. Now this one is in the kingdom. Now this one is saved, born again. Now she's going to get, uh-huh, praise. Now see, this is how it works. Can someone put your hands and give Jesus all the glory? <laughs> Hallelujah. And these are the kind of things we shall teach tomorrow. These are the kind of things we shall deal with. Why? Because people need to see how simple it is. Preaching the gospel and winning souls is not complex. It is very simple. What you just saw right there is a ministry each of us have been given. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. When I was a Bible school student, I came to the conclusion in myself internally that I have a pulpit. My pulpit does not have to be Pastor Corey's pulpit. I do not need, I did not, and I still do not. I honor him and I praise God for giving me the honor and the privilege to be a part of this ministry, but I knew it. I had a ministry. I did not need to stand behind his pulpit. And I told myself, my pulpit is in the world. A lot of people are called, and they are waiting for a pastor to give them the opportunity to preach behind the pulpit. You don't need to wait for nobody to give you the pulpit to preach. Go out there. You've got a pulpit, and you set up your pulpit, and you preach the gospel. And when you are faithful, God will promote you. Amen. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah? With every head bowed, every eyes closed, nobody looking around, nobody talking. The first thing I want to do is to invite people who have never come to Jesus. Listen, I told you when I started, it is only born-again Christians that are eligible to preach the gospel. You are not eligible to preach if you are not saved. The first thing I want to call on, our first people I want to call on is for those who are not born again, but they want to be born again. You are here this morning, you are not saved. If you are not saved, you cannot bring people to Christ. So I want to invite you this morning to Jesus. If you have never ever given your life to Him, or maybe you gave your life to Him once upon a time and you have walked away from Him, you are lukewarm, you are cold, you have allowed sin into your life, but today you want to return back to Him like the prodigal son did. Or maybe you are in this place this morning or watching by way of the internet. Your heart tells you one thing, your mind the opposite. You do not know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are a child of God. My friend, if you breathe out your last today, where will you spend eternity? If you fit into any one, any one of these categories, first time salvation, rededication, assurance of salvation, and you want me to pray with you and pray for you, I'd like 
for you to please, at a count of three, lift up your right hand. I want to pray with you and pray for you. One, two, three. Lift your hand for salvation. First time, rededication, assurance of salvation. Anyone like that? Lift your hand. I want to pray with you and pray for you. Amen. No hand went up. You can lift your heads and look at me. Praise God.